0: welcome ladies and gentlemen to the dc comics news podcast i'm your host joseph marcus news editor for dc comics news and i'm joined this week by seth why don't you say hello seth
1: hey everybody i'm a reviewer for dc comics news
0: and this week we have a special guest we have a adam who is joining us from our sister site dark knight news adam please say hello
2: Hello, um, yeah, my name is Adam. Really long last name, just ignore that for the time being. And uh, I write for DKN. I've been a news writer there for a few years now.
0: Okay, well, I want to thank you guys both for joining me this week. And uh, um, just a note, if you guys are wondering where our previous members from the last couple of weeks have been, Brad is currently rebuilding the source wall, uh, so he won't be joining us this week at the moment. <laughs> And uh, we do want to take a moment to uh, give a shout out to our good friend, Steve, who tomorrow is actually celebrating his birthday. Um, So we want to go ahead and wish Steve a very, very happy birthday.
1: Happy birthday, uh,
0: Steve. Yeah. Happy birthday, Steve. Happy uh, birthday, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Now, my understanding is that he's actually spending his birthday by trying to break into the Phantom Zone uh, so that way he won't get any older. So, you know, wise, man, <laughs> So hopefully, you know, he doesn't figure that out and he'll be joining us uh, soon. Um, and again, you know, for those uh, for the audience that's listening, we want just want to thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to listen to us. And please, when you can just visit our sites, that's uh, DC Comics dot com and Dark dot com. And with that, gentlemen, we have a lot of news to go over this week um, let's go ahead and start off with the uh, movie news. And I guess the big news story of, out of this week was on Monday, we had a new Shazam trailer. Uh, and so I was wondering, did you guys have a chance to see that? Seth, did you get a chance to see that?
1: I did. I did. I, uh, I liked what I saw. Um, mostly because it pointed to some things that I mentioned last time about how... I felt that the uh, the knowledge of the powers and learning how to use those responsibly and the relationship that was going to be necessary for Shazam to maintain with his friend who had and still seems to have all of those answers for him, despite the gifts he's been given. And I like the way that they introduced probably my favorite line, which was when his friend said, yeah, I saw you. You just did everything a hero is not supposed to do. And uh, (laughs) I felt that a few of those moments really, you know, brought it home for me. And I liked the humor. Yeah. Adam, what did you think?
2: um i i mean i saw it once and i i know i wasn't particularly impressed by it uh the first trailer i thought was stronger i thought it was funnier and again it was just a first glimpse as to what kind of wacky movie we were gonna get in, we were in store for uh and i feel like this trailer didn't give us much more than that than the first trailer there's a few new scenes but like overall it's just it's it most it's more of the same, really, and I just, I'm just you know I'm just ready to see it. I don't need another trailer. I'm just like just bring it over to me now. I'll just watch it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I for, at least from in my opinion, I thought this one was a uh, pretty strong trailer. It was a bit longer than the last one, um, and, and yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I'm ready for this movie to come out, and I really enjoy the tone of it so far. And I've been showing it to a couple people, you know, that I know that aren't necessarily, you know, they don't keep up with the comics or are familiar with the character. And they're definitely, they seem very excited. They seem actually more excited than when, than the Aquaman trailer, to be quite honest. So, uh-huh. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how how everything turns out. Um, but another thing that happened this week with, with, uh, with regards to Shazam is there were a couple of early screenings. And uh, some people got to see it this week. And, you know, obviously... They took to Twitter to kind of, you know, just talk about what they saw and what they thought. And for the most part, they've been really positive. I, I kind of just wanted to share uh, some of the quotes uh, here with you if if I can. Um, I think for me, the uh, quote that really stood out to me was a uh, Jim Boyevoda who works at IGN uh, there in the uh, in the L.A. office, he said Shazam is DC's most joyful and sweet movie since the era of Christopher Reeve's Superman. A funny yet earnest coming of age story about a boy who learns that well with a great power comes great responsibility. It doesn't reinvent the superhero wheel, but it's undeniably fun. And just if I can touch on a few more comments. a We have Ash Croson from Entertainment Tonight who says Shazam was damn near perfect in my book and then Brandon Davis over at uh, comicbook.com he straight up said he it's his favorite DC movie so that's <laughs> you know those are pretty bold statements uh mm-hmm. to compare to Christopher e. Superman and to say it's your favorite DC movie uh yeah i think I've, i was kind of taken away by these reactions so what do you guys
1: think uh Seth well i definitely felt that the lightheartedness the, the the bits of humor the playful nature uh definitely harkens back to that spirit that i remember from the uh the first christopher reeve movie to this day one of my favorite lines is uh lois lane you know in christopher reeve as superman catches her and he says don't worry i've got you mm-hmm. and she says you've got me who's got you and right. it was just this great you know concept of there's no framework in her mind of somebody being able to fly and catch her. So how can this be happening? And also that somewhat, you know, uh, brusque New York sensibility of what are you talking about? You've caught me and we're flying. You know, how can you be so stupid? Um, and I just sort of loved that that playfulness there. And I definitely felt that, you know, as I was watching this Um, this trailer. um, And it also reminds me that there was another quote that that caught my attention, which uh, I think it was the one from, uh, yes, John Wynn, who said that the movie's at its best when he is trying out his superpowers and Billy Batson is dealing with his uh, foster family. And for me, those those were elements where I felt, yes, there was some lightheartedness in Christopher Reeve's Superman, but there was also a great deal of lightheartedness. And Christopher East Clark Kent. And I would enjoy seeing both elements of that from not only Zachary Levi as Shazam, but as Billy Batson, uh, getting to see where those sort of bits of humor can play with the uh, foster family and the other characters that he interacts with, not only as the boy, but as the hero. And I feel that that, that continues that thread of humor that I remember from the first Superman.
0: Adam, what did you think?
1: um
2: it's I, I mean like the first trailer although good and better than the first aquaman i no, i didn't have a whole lot of hope for it i mean um not necessarily because it looked bad it's just because i, I i'm kind of at this place where i'm kind of exasperated by by the direction they're taking with the movies uh don't get me wrong i i i i, I even though that those movies weren't very good i did like you know the first set of movies um to an extent so at this point it's just like one of those things where i'm just like kind of rooting for the underdog at this point uh shazam is clearly going to be very different they're just kind of course correcting right now with something that's just like okay we were really dark and gritty before let's not do that like that wasn't a good idea obviously that wasn't a good idea let's do something different and let's do something more fun um and not, it's not necessarily something I'm looking for, but I, at this point, I'm just like, God, I just hope DC does a good, makes a good movie. Like, it's, it, that's kind of <laughs> where I am right now. It's just like, please make a good movie. Like, that's really all I hope for right now. Mm-hmm. Um and it looks i mean like signs are pointing in that direction and i'm hoping that's the case uh these these twitter posts are really good they, they give me a lot of hope that it could be really good i, I know that uh, eric davis kind of invoked big with with tom hanks and that's like by and far one of my favorite movies of all time so i'm really excited about that reference there um i lost my train of thought here um Shoot, sorry about that. Uh, no, no
0: worries. No, it, you know, but I get your thoughts. Let me just uh, jump in for yeah. a moment. I, I, I think for me, I, it, I'm very encouraged by this movie. Uh, the fact that it's doing so well, or it, that it's getting such a positive response, um, I think it's great. I think it's great. It really shows that DC is like, okay, like we're we're kind of like really turned the page here on. You know on a lot of the uh kind of like the problems that the d c e u universe has had so far, and you know I'm kind of in the same boat with you like there's a lot of things that I liked about some of those movies they're not great um but I, obviously I can pull stuff that I liked here and there yeah. um but with Shazam, I think the idea of like i said that it's the uh it draws a lot from like the movie big the the sense of humor the 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 relationships between um you know, Billy Batson and his friends and his, and his foster family, I think that is where the strength of this movie is going to come from. My only concern really for this movie is that I feel like it, everything's been focused so much on, on that aspect, kind of like Billy Batson discovering his powers and Zach Levi's performance. I'm kind of worried about Mark Strong, um, and his character, um, you it know, it plays
2: unrecognizable the Bill- by the way. It doesn't even look like Mark Strong.
0: Yeah. 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 But I'm kind of, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, we're just enjoying – it's it's almost like, you know, maybe it's not exactly like it, but it's kind of like The Incredibles. Like, I love the, the first Incredibles. I love the, the, the beginning of that movie with the, uh, you know, the dynamic, the family dynamic at play and, you know, just seeing how the family interacts and works with each other and, you know, the dinner table scene. And then kind of like at the end, it's kind of like, okay, now we got to fight the bad guy. Um, I'm just a little bit concerned that Shazam is going to be that way where we have, like, this really great movie – and then all of a sudden, you know, towards the end, it's like, okay, now you gotta go fight the bad guy. And it's just gonna field shoehorn in. Um but all in all, I think it's it's I think it's gonna be great.
2: Um oh I got my I i just remembered what I was gonna say.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um I remember reading uh really positive Twitter reactions to Aquaman, and I was like, Okay, this is giving me hope. And then I actually saw Aquaman and I'm like, I don't know if I wanna believe Twitter reactions from here on out. Um <laughs> Yeah, Aquaman was not the best movie around, and I don't really. I, I again, I'm not really sure what they were saying in the Twitter reactions before. Um, so I'm like very, I'm like kind of stepping, I'm like treading very lightly about this. You know, I, I, I again, I really want this movie to do well. I really, really want it to do well because DC just so needs it. Um, after like the beating they got after because of Justice League and everything, but it's just. I don't know, man. I, I'm trying. I'm very, very weary of of these Twitter reactions after what happened with Aquaman.
0: It's a, uh, Is it fair to say that you have a uh, cautious optimism? Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I feel I'm in the in the same boat as well. Um, so just one thing to keep in mind also with the uh, with the movie coming out uh, early next April is uh, for some people are some people will have the uh, chance to see it early. If you remember, the uh, right before Aquaman premiered, about a week or so before, Amazon was giving away uh, tickets. Well, not giving away, but they were selling tickets to early screenings for Aquaman. And Shazam is going to be doing the same thing, except this time around, it's going to be not through Amazon, but it's going to be through Fandango. Um, and they're expecting to have screenings on March 23rd. So that's a full two weeks before the movie comes out, and they'll have two showings on march twenty third uh at around four p m seven p m so you're gonna have to you know if you're listening just please just check your you know local theater you know show times to see if they're gonna be participating in this early screening but uh, yeah, just you know just throwing it out there do you guys uh will you guys be trying to see it earlier than everybody else or are you guys just gonna wait for opening weekend uh i don't know let me start with you.
2: Uh, no, I, I don't think I'll make that much effort to. to uh, I'll put that much effort into seeing it. Although I want to see it, I don't know if I really want to go through that trouble. Um, so no, I, I don't anticipate that I'm going to put that much effort into seeing the movie early. I'll, I'll probably just wait like everybody else um, until then. And personally, I don't mind spoilers, so I'm not. Again, I'm not worried. I'm not anxious to see it right away. What about you, Seth?
1: Yeah, for me, I. I enjoy the excitement of the crowd. I've done it once or twice for, you know, a premiere and it's exciting to be early, be first, uh, have that moment. And that moment's passed for me. (laughs) So I'll be comfortably waiting a week or two. um, And I'm spoiled by the fact that there's a nearby theater where, you know, you can reserve seats and it's got the recliner and I can Mm -hmm. just get comfy. as all hell. And uh, I really like being able to do that, to know that I can remove whatever distractions might otherwise be available. So I can just focus on the movie. And when there's that element of just so much heightened anticipation, I want those people that are going to enjoy it the most to participate. I don't feel I'm one of those. So I allow them to have that space knowing I'm just going to follow in the rear and in the middle, somewhere along those lines and, and sit back and enjoy the movie in an environment that works best for me
0: uh for me personally i i i'm either going to watch a movie right when it comes out or i'm going to wait for it to come out on on uh, dvd or whatever or on digital i should say um i did get the chance to see aquaman the week early and that was a lot of fun you know i had a lot of people who were just kind of asking me like oh you know what is it worth watching and i tend to I wouldn't even say if it was good or bad. I uh, just say I usually just tell people it's worth it. Go see it in the theater, or not. Um, and and I tend to leave it at that. I will probably try to go see it early on. You know, on the twenty um, third. We'll see, obviously, with the schedule and everything. But you know, I'm I'm kind of like that. They they do this, you know, because it, it you know it gives an opportunity to just kind of. Avoid spoilers I I try to avoid uh, Spoilers so that's why like I said I either try to watch a movie as soon as It comes out or You know just wait till it comes out On digital Uh, So moving along Into another Movie in the uh, DC film or DC Extended Universe I don't even think they're calling that it anymore But um, there's been a lot Of changes uh, regarding the Suicide Squad sequel you know, kind of just like an airport, we got some arrivals and we got some departures. Uh, it was announced this week that Joel Kinnaman, who played Rick Flagg in the uh, Suicide Squad movie, will be will not be appearing in the sequel. And But for the arrival part, we do have Idris Elba, who will be taking over the role of Deadshot from Will Smith and so i wanted to get your guys thoughts on this um seth what do you think about these this news
1: well i'm curious about how that's going to change maybe what the time frame will be or time lapse that might occur for this next suicide squad movie because i feel that we're clearly going for uh in my opinion idris elba brings a, a season actors presence to the to the role now and that changes not only the thoughts about children but about uh, and the relationship you have with them and the value of that but also uh your role on a team how much of it is to be the the leader the senior member the veteran how much is it to be the quiet voice who you know just speaks softly but carries the big gun um But I feel that no matter what, his presence and approach is going to be as unique as we've seen from him in other roles that he's taken on. Um, And I like the idea of seeing him in the DC universe. It's just not the place I expected, as I'm sure many fans had perhaps pictured him in different roles that I've heard uh, bandied about, characters that have been discussed. So this was something of a surprise in that he's taking over the role of Deadshot, but also uh, a change simply because of how there might have been a possibility for him to play other characters. I'm curious, though, what do you think, Adam? Um,
2: that, that's the thing of... A, there's some contention there, actually. Um, I was reading the Hollywood Reporter, which uh, they're the ones who broke the news about uh, Idris Elba in talks to, to replace Deadshot, and they say that there's conflicting sources. One source that says that Rick Flagg is expected to return and then... Another source says that Rick Flag is not expected to return. So, but to me, either way, he added very little to the proceedings of Suicide Squad anyway. So I'm just like, either way, I'm okay if he leaves or not. Uh, I would prefer that he would he would stay for continuity's sake, and uh, you know, because I'm sure Joel Kinnaman could use the job. Um, and why not give him a job? Uh, but personally, like, it doesn't really make too much of a difference to me if Joel Kinnaman is there or not. Um, and I, you know, there's so much fan casting involved with Idris Elba, John Stewart, Green Lantern. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think he is really, really good for that role. Um, but you know, it's just the prestige of that guy. He was almost up for James Bond. Like it's just, it's just, it would just be a big win for DC if they were to get someone like Idris Elba to join the DCU at this point. Uh, I can't, I I really wouldn't know how he would take that character because, uh, you know, Deadshot is, uh, there's a specific way that we we saw Deadshot, until Will Smith came and just made it Will Smith Deadshot, uh, and but, uh, so I, I really I'm curious to see if he would, like, you know, maintain see how he would, would he try to play it the same way as Will Smith, but which would be really stupid, because uh, I can't imagine Idris Elba acting like Will Smith, because, well then again, I kind of want to see that now, and then I think about it, um, but, uh, I mean, like, I, I, I it's good, and I'm all for it because again, Idris Elba is a really, really good actor. Uh, you, you know what? That's it. I, I want him to play Will Smith. That's it. I, I changed my mind. I, I think he's <laughs> just just play a version of Will Smith as Deadshot, or even as his version of the genie, for that matter. Um, I'd I, I, like. At this point, uh, again, it's just like de- D.C.'s clearly just tr- desperately trying to find their way after Justice League, and bringing aboard someone like Idris Elba is a good idea
1: and I'm just going to follow because I realized I left off what I was going to say about Joel Kinneman. And I was trying to figure out how I felt about this. And then I mentioned it to my wife, who's been a Joel Kinneman fan since the killing. And um, she simply said probably what summed it up for me, which was the Enchantress ruined him and that relationship <laughs> and the way it portrayed him on film ruined him. And my perception of him as a, a member of the suicide squad from that point on, I saw a broken guy who was gonna to have to go back and heal and maybe we'll see him in a couple of movies down the road or never again. But I saw a broken Rick flag and I can't imagine him competing in a DC movie in the future. No, but do you want would you have preferred him to come back? I couldn't see any place for him to do it. Uh, yeah. not not in the current time frame. Maybe if we are doing a time leap and Idris Elba is an older dead shot. Yeah, then, then there's some potential because now I've got to see him try and re- you know, redeem himself. It's a redemption story. But if he's not coming back in that way, the guy's still broken and healing and he's got no business being on a tactical squad. This mm-hmm. is a great time for you know, a, a new group of characters to come in. and I mean, we already lost a couple, so let's go ahead and fill out the roster with all sorts of new faces now. Yeah,
0: I think I think for me, and it took me a while to just think about it. But I don't know if you guys remember, but Aegis Elba was in one of my favorite TV shows of all time, The Wire, um, and he plays Stringer Bell on that show. And in that show, he plays a uh, a bad guy. He plays a you know ruthless uh, gangster uh, from the streets of Baltimore. So, because I, I was having trouble picturing, like, I guess I couldn't get past the fact that like Idris Elba, like you see him on screen in a bunch of movies and and, you know, he seems like a wonderful person, you know, just a great guy, and I'm just having trouble, okay, like, how does he play a bad guy? And then it's like, oh, wait, that's kind of how he started his career, <laughs> was uh, playing a bad guy. Uh, so, you know, I I think uh, I do like the idea of maybe making Deadshot a little bit older. Um, That'd be kind of cool, because I know Idris Elba is, is, I mean, not to say Will Smith isn't, you know, he's middle-aged himself, but to see Idris Elba as an older kind of, uh, you know, an older Deadshot that just kind of you know it takes a step back and it's kind of maybe a little bit more dark a little bit more jaded about the whole thing um i think that would be really interesting and you know speaking of which uh seth you touched on a you know new characters that might be coming towards a suicide squad too and in an exclusive story with collider um just throwing this out this now these are uh, some rumors that have been thrown out But they released a list of characters that might show up in the Suicide Squad sequel. And I'm just going to throw these names out. And I want to get your guys' reaction on these. We have Ratcatcher, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and Peacemaker. So when you hear those names, what do you guys think? Seth, what's your initial reaction?
1: Well, the first thing I think about with King Shark is, okay, so we've got another water creature which is, is fine, but nothing about it speaks to me other than, you know, okay, we've got another amphibious, some someone who can go in the water and is naturally adept there, which feels like a, a natural fill-in for a character we're going to be losing. Yeah. Polka Dot Man feels like he's going to be the surprise, um, yeah. just like, you know, sort of like uh, a bit of laughter and humor, but also he'll be the fool who tells the truth. I And I just ran through, like, two of them so adam sorry if you wanted to, to respond to anything i was just saying there
2: no it's fine um king shark is uh i i think it's it's kind of cool to see another king shark it's obvious that they're filling in for killer croc it's uh, another big monstrous hulking creature uh to fill their powerhouse and uh, their tank um it, I just think that it's it's also it could also be a bad idea because you know there could be confusion because there's King Shark in the Flash TV series and uh, you know so the people who don't know uh, what's going on they're gonna be they're probably gonna be confused as to why there's another King Shark on the big screen just like there's another Flash on the big screen um, and I mean like I I'm I, I'm not. Pre- I I could go. I, King Shark means no means nothing to me, so I just I, I'm not particularly excited or uh, disappointed with that. Polka Dot Man sounds like probably the best idea they could ever do, especially with James Gunn at the helm, yeah. because <laughs> he tends, he knows how to play with like weird characters, and I am like all sorts of excited for the possibility of polka dot man in the hands of james gunn james gunn like that's probably the best choice uh and i hope that this I hope that at least that part's true because i like james gunn is a weird guy and for him to have a hold of someone as weird as polka dot man could be like 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 seth said is like the big surprise and breakout character and i'm all for that i'm really excited about that
0: You know, when I read this list, and I I think for most people, the general audience, when they see this list, they're going to think to themselves, like, what is going on here? But then, I, like you said, I think about who's directing this movie, James Gunn. And I think in his hands, I I have a lot of trust in James Gunn right now. And if he says, I want these characters in my movie, I think it's for a really good reason. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say on that. What about uh, Seth? Go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: Just to to follow, you know, it seems like there's a great opportunity for one of those beautiful oddball pairings, too, with the rat catcher and polka dot man, two strange creatures who can connect who are both weird, who both have this sort of and I can just see the two of them marching down the street with an army of rodents. And Polka Dot Man doing his crazy weird thing and the two of them just stealing the show kind of like <laughs> a, uh, a well-known living tree creature slash uh, raccoon combo did in uh. a, another movie we're well familiar with. Like I feel <laughs> that that's, that's lined up perfectly as you guys pointed for a director who's done that so well and for yeah. weird characters who, who allow the audience to sort of like give them their hearts the way they just seem to do.
2: I just wanted to point out that like they're they're going heavy on on more Batman characters again. So I'm I'm just wondering if there's going to be some sort of Batman presence, not necessarily a cameo like the last time, but maybe uh, there's maybe they're they're going to foc- Maybe there's going to be a Batman heavy reference. Oh, I'm sorry, there's going to be a lot of Batman heavy references or something like that in this movie. Uh, because you know there it's a fair amount of Batman villains Of course, we know Holly Quinn's coming back. Well, she, at least she has to come back. Uh, and then Deadshot's coming back. and Then we now we see. Ratcatcher and Polka Dot Man is going to be like that's that's probably about more than half the team that's from Gotham City so I would imagine there's going to be a heavy emphasis on Batman and Gotham City again probably not, okay, probably not in the same way as the first movie but may, maybe in, you know, in some way and again James Gunn is doing it I'm really hoping that he does it in a really good and clever and interesting way
0: what were you going to say Joe? I trust James Gunn and uh, you know I think he's going to do a great job now Adam speaking of which you just mentioned Batman and how a lot of these characters are from the Batman universe. So let's go ahead and talk about the Batman movie. Um this week Ben Affleck who has departed from the uh, the project was doing an interview with uh, IGN this week and he was promoting uh his next project uh Three Frontiers and he was asked about you know what his movie his Batman movie would have been like. And, you know, he spoke pretty candidly about it and he talked about how it was a problem for him uh, to just to be able to his approach on the project. And, you know, I'll just give him a, a quote here and it says, uh, we worked on the script. I was trying to figure out how to crack it and I was never happy enough with it where I thought it was worth going out and making it because I just didn't want to do a version that I wasn't really excited by. So I still don't know. And you know i just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this like what do you think you know went wrong with the uh, production of batman and let me go ahead and start with uh with adam here uh adam what do you, you know, what do you think went wrong with uh ben affleck and his approach to batman
2: i just think he was scared and he didn't like the pressure of it. I don't believe him personally. I don't, I don't think that's. I don't think there was any candidness in that response at all. I think there was a very formulated response by by a WB exec. Um, I don't buy it. Uh, Affleck doesn't really do candidness anymore. He's very, very. He's very, very um, calculated in the, the way he speaks now. Everything is kind of like per, like perfected. Like he just knows how to put on a face and he knows how to talk to the press now to the point where I'm pretty sure a good portion of that is not not truth. Um, and I don't buy it, and I, I think there's 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 a truth out there where there was a script that either was like simply rejected or or maybe Affleck was just. Too much of a chicken to to go back out there after Justice League. I really don't know, uh, because I, I know that, again, like it was clear that he was he was getting too much backlash from Batman vs Superman and ha- it did have an effect on him. Although he was excited for it at first, but then after hearing the fan backlash, he's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I, I I don't believe him, and I personally think there's a script somewhere uh, that that maybe something that I, I don't know why the script was rejected i don't know why they decided not to do it i just i just don't believe affleck at all and uh, you know granted it's not like i don't like ba- affleck i actually really really enjoyed his turn as a bat i think he's the best live action batman uh, actor we've had um yes come at me christian bale fans i will say that with confidence um <laughs> But I like him. I do think he was the best athlete, the best Batman. Like now they're, see, they're they're synonymous. Like I'm confusing the two together. Now I do think he's the best Batman live action actor we've had. So I do like him. I just don't trust his response. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true. I believe there's some there's more to it than that, and he's just not. Because if you if you watch him in interviews, there's always something underneath what he's saying because he doesn't really like telling you the exact truth of what's going on. And then again, we're not entitled to that truth, and and you know every actor is, is not they don't really need to tell us the truth if they don't want to, and that's and that, that no that that is the case obviously. Um, I mean, I, if I were to try to formulate what happened, I just think he got scared. Like, I just think he got scared, and there was too, far too much pressure, and he felt like you, if he were to, I, felt, I feel like if he were to try to make a Batman movie, I think he was just too scared of how much, how much crap he was going to get from hardcore Batman fans. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore, it's just too much pressure, and then he just kind of caved. That's what I think happened, personally. And it's a really negative, like, way to look at it, but... I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to call Affleck on his crap. And I, I think that's what it is. I think it's pure crap.
1: <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> no
1: worries. So what do you think? <sighs> Whew. Hard to follow that, man. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> not trying to put you on the spot now that I'm sitting here under the light. But uh, I do agree with uh, the fact that I don't believe this statement to be the real reason. Uh, I believe it's part of the reason. I do believe that if they're trying to tell a detective story and they didn't crack the nut, you're on a time frame where you're making commitments to a lot of people with a lot of money who expect things done in a certain amount of time. But my thinking is that his head wasn't there. And because his head wasn't there, his heart wasn't in it. Like, he didn't believe in it. He didn't believe he was the guy to do it, whatever faith he might have built up to put on the suit in the first place his portrayals eroded whatever that had built up and i mean the guy's real life experiences were clearly showing through and i feel like if you can't get your head right about certain things going on you can't get your heart behind projects and we've seen passion projects i mean ryan reynolds is a is a probably a standout example of somebody who says, if I believe in this thing, I'm going to make it happen over time, no matter what. And I never felt that sort of faith from him. I felt that he was conflicted. And to be honest, uh, it was strange, but, more and more that i thought about it and continue to think about it it's like i'm seeing the guy he portrayed like i'm seeing him as george reeves in that movie he did a few years back well it's been a few more than a few more years you know what i mean like this isn't the same guy he doesn't have that and man adam you pointed to one of the things that that i really enjoyed about him as batman i thought some of his fight scenes i thought some of the ways that he stepped into the role were were really inspired but Those were the only moments I felt he really believed it. And beyond that, I felt like that sort of facade was cracked and you could see the cracks. And it was it was really difficult to, you know, see him going through that. And I almost felt a sense of relief when he let go, because it was like, hey, man, if you're not the guy, don't get in somebody else's way. and Don't kill yourself in the process. Like, Get out of the way. Take care of your life and give the project to somebody who's got the heart. But I know that's another negative and I'm not trying to be deputy downer on this, but Joe, pull us up or, you know, drive us down. Your choice.
0: All right. Well here here's the thing. I think, you know, I do agree with you guys. I've I genuinely liked Ben Affleck's Batman. I was a big fan of it. And I don't think I mean Batman versus Superman and Justice League, they had bigger issues and bigger problems that you know we don't have to get into it but they had bigger issues than just than Ben Affleck it, you know I I can't say that it was Ben Affleck's fault um Not I do say I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that you know Ben Affleck was you know kind of scared of the project but I do think he was affected by the pressure I think you know and I, obviously I don't know too much about Ben Affleck you know personally I know he's got you know a lot of stories and tabloid stories here and there but you, you know, as someone who is kind of you know known people that have dealt with alcoholism and and you know have been in rehab, I, I I think it's when you're going through those struggles and you're going through those issues, and then you have the burden of creating a Batman story, uh, something that has the eyes of the world. Literally, like the eyes of the world are are watching. Uh, what you're going to do with the batman character i think it's just it's too much and if you're going through those kinds of things you know it's it's okay it's okay to take a step back and just say you know i just i just can't do this guys and you know he he wanted to direct it i was kind of looking more forward to him directing the batman movie um than him acting in it i i'm i'm a bigger fan of affleck as a director than i am as an actor but for him to say, you know, I need to take a step back and I just I just couldn't do it. I, I think he just had he just put so much pressure on himself that it, it, it cracked him. And then I think that's why he ended up, you know, having to just take a step back and deal with with, you know, with his issues. And, you know, to be honest, I, I hope he gets right. It's, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. We're going to get a, We're still going to get a Batman movie. We're we'll going you know, just got to wait to see who who's in it. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll just uh, at least for me, I'll remember Affleck's Batman, you know, quite fondly. Um, And who's to say, you know, you never know what if they in the future, they decide to do something with an older Batman. I mean, maybe he can step into that role. Um, But with that, I do want to move along to uh, our next news story. And that is in regards to the Black Adam uh, movie. Now, it was reported this week that the Black Adam is going to have, or at least there's rumor to have, um, certain characters in that movie. Um, just going to throw these names out there as well. They, they say that the Black Adam movie will have Hawkman, Stargirl, and Adam Smasher. And you know, I think last month it was reported that the uh, script for Black Adam was finally turned in after years and years of. Kind of us waiting to see what was going to happen, and uh, it's scheduled to go into production in 2020. So I mean, <laughs> this movie is a bit a ways away. So let me go ahead and ask you guys what you guys think about this uh, this uh, story of, of these characters joining Black Adam. Seth, what do you think?
1: Well, I initially am drawn to the the role of uh, Hawkman and his inclusion in the story because. What I know about Hawkman, what I've really enjoyed about the comic version of Hawkman recently has been the uh, tracing, the, the timeline that Carter Hollow has sort of created through his multiple incarnations and reincarnations. And I think he is this great sort of viewpoint for us to understand who Black Adam was, who he is now, and where the where the pieces didn't quite fit fell apart, how that history informs us about the the character that we're seeing on screen, and maybe maybe provide that sort of depth or range of understanding that someone who's been around for as long as Carter Hall has um, brings i'm more Curious and interested in how Adam Smasher and Stargirl are going to play a role in this. Um, I know of them from their earliest incarnations of the JSA and I you know remember them from the uh All-Star Squadron and the uh you know the way that they became this sort of newer um incarnation of the jsa but how that's going to tie in and i know there's been some more modern takes as well and how they're going to weave that together and which parts of that they're going to include probably is where i have the most questions because i know there are numerous options available and and i'm i'm just curious to see how they they choose to line that up i don't think i have more beyond adam what did what did you feel
2: um, I'm not too familiar with um, Stargirl and Adam Smashers, so I, I can't really. I don't really have an opinion on, on them being featured in the script. Um, I I'm just more confused as to like what's going on with a Black Adam. I mean, first he first uh, the Rock made a Dwayne Johnson made a big announcement that he was going to be Black Adam, and then that kind of just quietly disappeared. And then Shazam popped up out of nowhere, and those two characters exist um, within each, each other's universe, within the same universe they are tied 100 to that together because they have the same mythology but you know black adam is nowhere nowhere like near shazam like there's nothing no mention of him in shazam which doesn't make any sense to me so i'm just like all of a sudden now there's a script coming out with these three characters that i i mean i don't know if ho- i don't know if they have a history with black adam but it just seems kind of random to me and that's my only thing like i just don't understand, like. Where the how the timeline like where the time what the timeline is like announcement disappear and then he just kind of pops right back up with uh, three new three characters that they're gonna feature in the script with no mention of Shazam like I I personally um I you know the hashtag show is a pretty credible source but I this is one of those ones where I'm not believing um I'm not really putting too much weight behind. Uh, I mean, although like um, it, it's always cool to feature like new different characters rather than the same uh, the same characters being cycled over and over in these movies. So I'm I'm, I'm all for using new characters that that uh, general audiences don't know. I mean, I don't even know I don't even know and Adam Smasher very well. So. Um, I'm definitely welcoming of new of different characters i just i just given the timeline of what's going on with black Adam i just don't quite believe the 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 story very much um and i don't know if I'm just being totally pessimistic in this entire episode uh i just it just like i just follow i like i really follow a lot of movie news and this is just one of those ones where i i'm not sure if it's if it's um a story that we should put too much weight behind uh what did you what did you think about it joe um uh, yeah,
0: I, I think it's just this—the production, the of this—the the whole story around this movie of Black adam is just just—it's been really weird, in my opinion, since the very start. Yeah, you know, you have the Rock, obviously—you know, the biggest movie star in the world. You want to get him into your, you know, kind of your studios and they're working on your movies. You want him attached to pretty much everything that he can possibly attach to. And so I think Warner Brothers is kind of like, okay, well, we need The Rock to be in our, you know, in our stable of DC movies. So what is, you know, what can we do? What does he want to do? And, you know, the Black Adam, I always saw was a bit of an odd choice. I think it'll be, The Rock will be fine as Black Adam. But then again, you know, like I said, he's doing so many things right now. Like, I, where does The Rock even find the time? So I think that's kind of contributed to this lengthy uh production cycle and it's taking so long just to get things off the ground um with respect to these character announcements i i you know i i i'm happy to see hawkman um particularly you know just because of the uh the ties towards you know the uh, you know, like ancient egypt and you know the kind of like that world i think that'll be really cool and interesting to see um with sargo and atom smasher i i think they're probably just kind of looking for ways to throw other characters into this movie you know again it is a movie based on a dc uh super villain. so you kind of need some other characters to kind of you know just to flesh it out kind of be our introduction to this you know this part of the dc universe so i think maybe if you introduce star girl and Atom smasher as kind of you know investigating or you know looking into these legends of you know black Adam and hawkman i you know i think that'll be i I think it it can work out but again like you know i you know and it's i don't mind you being pessimistic because there's a lot to be pessimistic about when it comes (laughs) to certain projects um you know again so don't feel bad about that uh but yeah it's just the thing with black Adam. it's oh man it's it's been in production for so long that I just, I don't, you know, news comes out on it and I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. yeah. you know, you know, we'll, we'll believe when we see it. And it's just, you
1: know, yeah,
2: it's just kind of sudden, like out of nowhere, like, boom, there's three characters in the Black Adam script that you didn't know about. <laughs> um mm-hmm. But I mean. Between the both of you, let me just ask you, is there a history between these characters and Black Adam, aside from, like I'm sure, like various clashes within the Justice League from, to- from time to time?
1: I'm trying to recall if there's any example I can think of. Um, I do... I do feel like they were both involved because there was a period where it was the JSA who were dealing the most, an incarnation of the JSA that was involved the most in comics with dealing with Black Adam, not only trying to like incorporate him in the team, but also be the ones who responded. Um, The other thing that I was just thinking about while I was listening to you both give some really great answers was that in my understanding of it, um, Infinity Inc. or however they've appeared, Adam Smasher and Stargirl were both kind of iconic for being American superheroes. And I'm interested in possibly maybe if there's a a conflict that can be uh, exploited during this storytelling if they're involved with whatever happens with Black Adam and there's like an international conflict simply because some of the things I remember about Black Adam is that in the modern day, he's trying to resurrect conduct that he remembers from his past. And mm-hmm. that any intercession by superheroes, the majority of which are American, was met with, well, you're actually breaking international law by crossing international boundaries or, you know, messing with allies. And I feel like that could be a key component in the, uh, the conflict. Um, but I'm also curious because I feel like there was this thing that jeff johns did way back when they were doing that 52 series um where black adam played a really prominent role and the way that he delved into the storytelling for kind of explaining how black adam was this person or character of hope who for all these different reasons lost that hope i don't know if there's supposed to be maybe an element also that that's kind of like the hope side that that'll be coming through from star girl. I always kind of remember being kind of perky Mm -hmm. or, you know, very inspired or inspiring and Adam smasher who is always kind of like a can do character, you know, like I've got the might. So just tell me where to put it and I'll do the right thing kind of. Um, But most of that just goes to me thinking that in some ways there has to be a heartstring motive behind Jeff Johns, because, it was so much an element when he was working with this character, when I saw him working most closely with this character. And it would have to be part of how he can sell it to the American public as being someone you want to watch. Cause if he's just black Adam, the jerk, it's not going to be an enjoyable experience, not beyond a, a certain element. But if there's a black Adam, this is why he became a jerk and you can hope for him. Cause maybe he won't be again then that's something that a lot of audiences can get behind. A redemption story can often be one of the most compelling. And somebody please get in the way, because I feel like I just started ranting. No, no, no. no. Uh, I, I,
0: you made you made some good points. I, I really like the idea of, uh, like you said, like Stargirl, who's like, you know, has this great, like, all-American look to her and, you know, being involved and, you know, invading Ken Leck. Like, no, no, no. I, th- I think this, that's, those are all uh, really good points. Um, now, spe- speaking of which, you know, we're... We, we're talking about a, a movie that's had a lot of uh trouble, you know, just get just getting going. Then I wanted to jump into um the flash. Um and the quote from Ezra Miller hmm. that, that came out this week. And um you know, and uh you know, I'll just let's just I'll just go ahead and, and put the quote. It's it's a it's a bit long, but he was asked like why is this movie Taking <laughs> so long, and it says, anyone that knows uh, anything about Barry Allen knows that he's always late. But then he, when he arrives, he gets stuff done. And that's definitely how this film's production schedule is proceeding. We are a little late, but the reason why we are late, and this is the honest to God's truth, the reason we are late, is because we are all, and I include myself in this, we are all very meticulously focused on making a movie that is just not one of the greatest superhero movies that we can possibly make. This movie is also going to be a gift to the fans. This movie is going to be a real, pure offering to the fans of this material. And we've hit a couple of points in the script's development where we've looked at it and gone, this isn't it. This isn't it yet And You know he kind of goes on and on about You know just kind of Along those lines during this uh, this Quick interview But I wanted to get your thoughts on Kind of the flash and why do Do you guys believe Ezra Miller on this You know we're talking about you know quotes Uh You know, Affleck's quotes from earlier, and now we have Ezra Miller talking about why it's taking so long. So uh, let me first start off with uh, Seth. Seth, what did you think about uh, this quote, and why do you think The Flash is just going through so much trouble
1: getting going? I can honestly say to the second part of the question, the why it's going through so much trouble, I honestly can't. Um, I do remember um, in times like this, thinking back to—and I'm going to butcher the— The title but the documentary about whatever happened to superman lives the nick cage project that was supposed to be a superman Mm. movie that didn't happen and how there had been speculation for so long that when the documentary started to actually reveal what some of the problems were i remember scratching my head and going what 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 Mm -hmm. the problem was (laughs) what there's supposed to be a giant thing at the what what, you know what I mean? Like, there are these concepts where you, you suddenly came across just stubbornness. And what might be happening here is just so hard to kind of, you know, even begin to predict. But what I can put, you know, some form of hope in is, okay, if you're telling me that you're trying to get it all right and you're you're doing this through this honest, earnest, then then great. There's great hope for the project because you're you're trying to cover all of the things that will make this a a great flash story something that talks about not only the multiverse but the speedsters who are part of it the speed force um he goes into some funny stuff later on um about the speedster multiverse which i i wondered you know like okay are you just like rambling because we all do that that's okay But, you know, one world and all the same characters uh, and different stories and different realities. There, yes, I would think if you're trying to do something that's touching on all of those elements, yeah, you have a lot of pieces to line up. And that's going to take a lot. So I want to put enough stock as I can into that being part of what's going on. But just like we were talking about with the Ben Affleck uh, quote and what we know to have been going on, you know, around all these different things from Batman versus Superman on. um, This isn't the whole story. It's clearly what they want us to focus on, which is great because it's not, you know, something that's saying that isn't, you know, we're not happening or we're just kind of giving you something that we hope will will keep you from asking us the hard question we're eventually going to have to answer, which is this isn't going to go forward in any way. Clearly they want us to focus on the things that they're working on and that we should be focused on, but the full story. No, there's, there's other things going on here and one day we'll know what it is. I just hope that they don't become so much of an obstacle that this great possibility of a project, as it's been described here, never actually comes to the big screen. It just becomes this, what if it almost was, or would it have been great if it had happened? But, um, adam your thoughts
2: um wow well, if there was ever a mess of um, a movie productions this is it uh this this movie has been through the ringer uh going through like a revolving door of directors and producers and screenwriters and it's hard to say like exactly what's going on with this movie like it's it's uh it doesn't give you a whole lot of hope that this movie's ever going to come out, but Ezra Miller, God bless him, he's the biggest cheerleader you could ever you could ever find. He's he's so fully in support of this movie. He wants it to happen. And it's not like he's um it's not like he needs the the, the job either. Like he has another franchise with Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. So he's doing fine. It's, it's so it just means that he really does care about this movie franchise. Um I mean it's this movie is probably will happen. It was always, uh, if for me, it was always like W C W B, sorry W B and DC's like kind of get out of jail for a few million dollars card, where like they'll just drop a few million dollars to get them out of the the hole that they put themselves in with with the, the with the movie universe. If they ever, if it ever, it was just like their escape route. Basically, they knew that if they kind of screwed up with their movie universe, they, this movie would just kind of correct all of it with the you know obviously flashpoint and it just like so i don't really know what could have happened between then and now where things so many things changed and so many people left the production but i do like his optimism i mean he again he's a really he's a great supporter and cheerleader and you want this guy by your side because he will he'll do what it takes to make you feel better about something that's obviously like fledgling I'm sorry. What were your original questions, Joe? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I just, I just was uh wanted to get your reaction on the quote, and you know, because oh. we were talking about, you know, like you said, he's such a great, you know, he's a big cheerleader for this movie, and he talks about, you know, we just want to get it right, want to get it right. Which is kind of similar to what Affleck was saying, you know, yeah. he's like, <laughs> I wanted to get it right, I wanted to get it right, but I couldn't get it right, and and so I don't know if that's kind of like the standard answer of like, okay, well, we just want to get it right, we just want to get it right. Um, Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to touch on that. I I guess for me, I think the uh, again, it's just one of those things where like and I mean, you guys, you know, we can dive into it, but we we won't just the idea of all the things that were going on at Warner Brothers and with DC Entertainment and just kind of like all the, you know, just the mess, you know, as, as it was described by some people. Um, the mess that was going on in terms of getting the uh, the first couple of movies in the DCEU off and just the poor planning behind a lot of these projects. I think that are still some, you know, obviously there's new leadership in place and and, and all that. And it seems like things are kind of turning the page. But for the most part, I feel a lot of these projects, we just got to wait and see. You know, we just, again, that cautious optimism. It's like we hope these things get turned around, but we just... We just can't take your quotes at face value right now just because of everything that's gone on in the past. Now it's one of those things where like don't don't tell us that you're trying to get it right. Just get it right. You know, get that script done. Get the directors in place. Get the casting right. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And it's one of the things like just – kind of just stop talking about it i know obviously they're getting they're gonna get asked he wasn't even promoting anything dc when he was asked this question so this is kind of like the answers that we're gonna get but it really is you know just hunker down get this corrected get this fixed and i think once you get we see the ball rolling on things i think that's when you know the uh, general public sentiment around you know dc movies it will really uh, change um yeah, now, now just one last uh, story from out of the movie years. I know we have a lot of movie news to cover. It's been a busy week, but <laughs> I do want to just talk a little bit about the uh the trench movie uh that was announced uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Um and the trench that's kind of a spin off or an offspring or whatever you want to call it of the uh Aquaman movie. And it seems that like as though The Trench will probably be in production very soon and will come out before, way before, the Aquaman uh, sequel comes out. And I believe Aquaman sequel is scheduled for 2022, so between now and then we should be getting a Trench sequel. And I know we talked a little bit about it uh, last week in terms of what we would want to see from the Trench. But, you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts again on uh, what we would want to see from the Trench. And you think it's a good idea uh, or you know, just what do you guys think? Um let me start with Adam this time. Adam, what do you think about uh the trench movie?
2: Um I do not think it's a good idea, uh, to put it bluntly. Um, I love that he invokes uh, the Conjuring universe, and I'm just like, well, the Annabelle movies weren't good. Um, so I don't know why, they, like, it give, like if you want to build confidence for this movie, why would you invoke the Conjuring universe? Um, it's, just, it's a spinoff that's like, I feel like there's no real heart behind it, and I can't, it's hard to see how they could connect it to the DC universe without, like, shoehorning in, like, Atlanteans and stuff like that well then again it wouldn't be shoehorning if it's like based around Atlantean lore um I just I just don't think it's a good idea while it, it was one of the few like fantastic parts of of, of Man just beautifully directed and it just it, it like and like um, the CG was just really well done in that scene it was just like it's just truly like terrifying um I just don't see the purpose and I just can't see how you could like build a whole movie around that one part aside from like an origin story and just like just trying to like kind of really like lace it around like an Atlantean lore and then bringing that. I just, especially since it's going to come before Aquaman, like it's just to me, that's, Probably the stupidest thing they could possibly they could possibly do right now, considering how hot Aquaman is right now. It's one of the highest-grossing DC movies, surpassing The Dark Knight Rises domestically. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, why would you decide? Why would you? Why would you go forth with the trench, a movie that nobody wants to see right now? Then just do an Aquaman sequel. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And it's just like a step back was for wb in general. Like, why would you focus so hardcore on a movie that nobody really wants to see right now? Everybody wants to see an Aquaman 2. Everybody wants to see the continuing adventures of, you know, Jason Momoa. Um, so, like, you know, just basically, it's Jason Momoa, it's, they want to see the continuing adventures, the next journey for Jason Momoa in water. That's what they want. They don't really want the trench. Like, I don't think anybody really cares to see how that came to be or whatever they're going to do with that. Like, I just, bluntly, I think it's an incredibly stupid idea, and I think they should really strike while the iron. is hot and just work on Aquaman 2 rather than work on a trench, a spin off movie that nobody really asked for. Um, but, again, like, I'm, uh, I I I hate to be the downer in this entire Dude, episode. There is no need to
0: apologize. I I, I appreciate just... I appreciate honesty above all others. So if you
1: if you don't like
0: something, please feel free to say you don't like something. You never have to apologize with me uh, if you don't like something. Um, but I, let me let me throw this out to you. So because you know on the last week's podcast we talked about the trench and what we could possibly see, and the, one of the things we talked about was. You know, because we were in that same boat. Like, what can we possibly? What can this story possibly be? And you know, one of the ideas that was thrown out was you basically have under uh, aliens, but underwater. Um, I could see not having Aquaman, not having Mirror, not having any of these characters, but maybe possibly having other characters from the Aquaman, you know, lore. Maybe an Aqualad or you know, Tempest or whatever, and have them having to go down into the trench to get some mulligan or whatever and it basically becomes a uh you know a horror uh, super movie. And I, I think that's probably one of the reasons why you might have there's such a quick turnaround on this movie because, you know, it, obviously, you know, horror, you know, it's 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 fairly, you know, quick to make. You can focus on, you know, the limited number of locations. You don't have to spend too much money on it. But maybe you do with the trench, with those characters and the CGI. But you know, I could Imagine seeing a movie that has a small group of, you know, characters from the uh, DC universe with superpowers having to go down into the trench and it just becomes like a, a you know, like I said, it's, it's aliens underwater, but um, and just throwing that out there. But Seth, what do you, what do you think about the trench movie overall?
1: Man, I'm really trying. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, like my brain's wrapping around. Okay. Aliens. Okay. Why do we need this? um and this is kind of how the the train of thought went and you know just jump in and and knock me around if it but the first thing i thought was okay we need something scary you know i know there's a big pull, there's a huge portion of audiences that loves to be terrified um and that's great you know okay we need something maybe it's we need a scary villain in the dc eu because i can't really think of anybody who's been horribly terrifying no one really, like, scares me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I thought Jared Leto's uh, Joker was cool and cute and flashy, but not scary. Um, and nothing's terrified me yet. Nothing's actually, like, chilled me to the bones where I was like, that's the person I don't want to be around. That's the thing that, that scares me. Um, so maybe pushing in that direction. But... As I was listening and as I was just trying to puzzle together some sort of reasoning behind this, the best I could come up with was yes, maybe we get a chance to see a new hero rise, an aqualad a tempest. Maybe we get a chance to see some of those sort of hardy Atlanteans come forward, um, and, and be, you know, the the examples of like, hey, we not might not be the royalty or we might not have special status, but this is what an Atlantean does when someone hurts them. And then the other things left behind were, okay, yes, is it like a thing where something's happening, like an abduction, people are being stolen and brought down into the trench and everybody's got to go down there? Or if DC really wants to try and play with something, what if there's something that's threatening the creatures? What if there's something that's pushing them out, that's driving them to go, okay, we need we need Atlantis because wherever we are has become inhospitable. There's, you know, something mm, bigger could, yeah. down below. Um, which would give their, which would give them something to set up for Aquaman two. Maybe, maybe this is an opportunity for the others to rise. But I got to be honest; like it, it doesn't really point in any one clear direction except there's a desire among somebody up there to make a scary DC movie. And I don't know what it is beyond these elements that we've been kind of going over for Aquaman and. Um, I hope it fits one of them because then it's got a through line. Otherwise, it just feels like a scary movie so that we could all get scared. And that's not a good enough reason for me, at least not to go see a DC movie.
2: I mean, honestly, that aliens idea from last week. I com- I was trying to remember what ideas you guys came up with last week, and that I- aliens one was probably the best one. But I don't think they're creative enough to come up with something like that. To be completely <laughs> honest, like I I just don't have faith in them. Like I I think they just go for whatever's easiest and whatever's like whatever's um. They just go for whatever's easy like easiest to do and whatever is cheapest to do and I feel like something like that it just isn't in their it isn't even in their ballpark of what they're thinking about right now. I just think that, I just think like the first thought the first story that came into mind is what they're going for and I'm pretty sure the first story is not a good story. Like I'm I'm fairly certain it's just like that's why they, that's why it's coming before Aquaman 2 cuz they thought up of a fairly mediocre story and they're like that's a good one. Let's go with it cuz we need to make a movie now. Like, I, I just don't think they're creative enough and smart enough and clever enough to just think, aliens, duh, but, you know, it, it's just, it, while while like, it just seems like the obvious choice, I don't think they're smart enough over there to come up with something like that, but I don't know. I mean, like, I, I feel like after this podcast, we would have no more communications with WBDC, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, like I said, hopefully they're listening and they are uh, listening, hearing our ideas and getting our feedback. But, I mean, we'll see. Um, so, gentlemen, that's that's a lot of uh, movie news. And uh, although before we jump into the, uh, the TV and the streaming news, uh, we do want to take a moment to pause and hear a word from our sponsor.
1: Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's DC. N E W S at checkout to save ten percent off your tickets for Wizard World, and that's for any city that uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com/tickets and use the code DC News for ten percent off. Back to you guys.
0: All right, gentlemen, and we're back. And so let's go ahead and get into the TV, the DC TV news. And I do want to touch on two stories, actually. Let's see. On um, I want to talk about them. Well, obviously, there's a huge story that happened in the DC television universe this week. But before we get to that, I do kind of want to touch on these stories real quick. And that is one is the uh, Swamp Thing television show that's scheduled for release later this year in the uh, DC Universe app. Has uh, cast Adrian Barbo and the actress who was in the original Swamp Thing movie. Back that came out back in 1982, and there is an announcement also for casting in the uh, Arrow uh, television show, where we're going to have Ernie Hudson. Will be in episode 719, uh, titled Spartan, and he's going to be playing a general that kind of has a history with uh, John Diggle on the television show. So it's kind of neat to see uh, these television shows kind of harking back onto, well, for example, like with Swamp Thing, Tachino, and you know, acknowledging the uh, the original movie and, you know, having, uh, uh, you know, Barbeau uh, be on the television show and the same thing with, you know, Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson, who, you know, is just beloved by a lot of fans, particularly for his work in Ghostbusters, uh, for those Ghostbusters fans out there. Uh, so I wanted to get your thoughts on these uh, on these castings, gentlemen. And what, what do you guys think? Let me start off with Seth.
1: Yeah, I, you know, initially when I when I heard the news about Swamp Adrian Adrienne Barbeau, you know, she popped up in my head and I was like, oh, let me just take a look at what she's been in. And I just kept scrolling and scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> and as I did, I had these little flashes of remembrance of all these different projects she's been in. And I mean, it's it's you go through the list from Demolition Man to Babylon 5 and Judge Dredd, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. like she's been a constant face, uh, a great character actor who's just um, constant. And her early success, her sort of through line as an early member of the original Swamp Thing just gives that that sense of history that I always appreciate when shows take that into consideration and use it in a way that's not just a, uh, what's that term they use sometimes, uh, fan service, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, like a flashback fan service. Instead, it actually ends up being something more compelling. I thought that, you know, just to use a great example, John Wesley Ship, you know, what they did with him in yeah. CW's Flash was more than just having this older Flash character pop in every once in a while and be smiling and, oh, I'm just going to give you a little senior fatherly advice and then move out of the shot. They did so much more and they took the character in many different ways and this actor you know, showed us just all these possibilities that we get to experience when someone creative takes advantage of that. So my hope with not only Adrian but also with Ernie Hudson is that if you're going to introduce someone and put them in there and they've got that history that Adrian Barbo does, then, okay, let's, let's take advantage of that and let's use that more than just a cameo for Ernie Hudson and uh arrow. I don't feel that there's that, you know, that ability to do that same kind of through line history connection, but I love that he can come in and be as serious and jovial or any other iteration And he has earned the gravitas, the fan respect that I'm going to believe him in whatever role he comes on and interacts with uh, John Diggle's character. And that's just a there's a comfort in knowing that a role or an appearance is in the hands of a, a seasoned actor who knows just how to approach things with the right amount of understanding and also how to provide us with something that feels both familiar and completely original.
0: Adam, any any thoughts on the uh, castings here?
2: Uh, Adrian Barbeau is—it's such a great idea. Like, I love that DC likes to do that. Um, as you've seen in the Verlanti verse, they like to bring back like older DC alumni and have them play like very good, interesting roles. Uh, as Seth said, like John Wesley Ship in The Flash is just remarkable. I—I I, I love him in The Flash, whether it be as his father or um, Jay Garrick. It's—it's he's just such a great presence and a great addition to the cast, and always providing something interesting and new to to uh, um, and just it, it's just they love honoring him uh, from being in the original 1990s Flash TV series, and I love that, that DC just likes doing that. They just like honoring their past, bringing back old uh, um, alumni into the fold, and trying to make them relevant in some way in the new DC universe. Um, and at the same time, I don't know if anybody's touched on, you haven't touched upon this yet, but Adrian Barbo was also. Um, uh, selena kyle and batman the animated series so that just gets me even more excited because i adore batman the animated series and i can't I, expect any spe- anything specific from that um uh tie-in but i hope there's like maybe like there's a couple of easter eggs on 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 on, on, on like uh, when she's on on, ca- on camera or something yeah. like that um that's what i always hope and just like a little little thing for batman animated series fans just to give them a, like a small little self satisfying cheer um and of course like who doesn't like Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson is such a nice, uh, like a wonderful jovial presence around most conventions. He's just a genuinely nice guy, and it's always great to see him great, get work and like anything geek related. So, um, I'd love to see uh, his his turn as. Um, I mean, his his interaction with Diggle, as Seth said, that's all. That seems like it'd be really really fun playing some sort of like mentor um, role to him because I believe he's about thirty years older than 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 the actor who plays John Diggle. Uh, so that. that there's nothing... You can't say anything bad about this casting. This is just the overall... It's just a great... It's a great positive news that... That like DC just likes honoring people that deserve it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And... Uh, speaking of Arrow... Um, obviously, let's go ahead and touch on the uh, big story this week. Which is that... Yes, season 8 of the Arrow will be the last season... Of the television show. And it's going to be a shortened season. It's only going to be about 10 episodes. And... So I kinda just wanted to um talk about this story. Um if you guys haven't seen it, Stephen Amel who plays Arrow, he did a uh an extensive post um, I believe it was his Twitter and Instagram, but he released a video, it was about ten minutes. And it was a very emotional video, and he talked a lot about how you know where he was when he walked into the pre-production meetings before the show even started onto the, you know, Warner Brothers lot, and then his growth and the changes that he's gone through through his life, uh, you know, becoming a family man and all that. So it was a very touching video. But um, I know we the three of us kind of each feel differently about the uh, about the show, but kind of again, I want to get your thoughts. On you know on your reaction really to this news. So let me first start off with Adam, and then I, we'll and I'll go next, and then we'll go with Seth. So uh, Adam, uh, what are your thoughts on Arrow finally coming to a close?
2: Okay, so um, I think I'm definitely going to kill any uh, po- any possibility of us continuing our relationship <laughs> with DC here. That's
0: why I wanted to start uh, off with
2: you
1: first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, this is going to be fun.
2: I. I absolutely despise Arrow. I think it's a terrible show. I got through the first... I, I was tortured while I was trying to get through the first episode. The pilot episode was just, like, such... It was... I can't even describe it. It was just, like... one. I, I'm speechless. Like, it's... I hated the first episode with with such a passion. It was such a... It was... So hard to get through i don't and then by the I got through about half of the second episode when i was when I finally realized this isn't worth it i don't know why i'm putting myself through this pain so I stopped watching it, and the only exposure I really get to Arrow is through the crossovers, um, the yearly crossovers, or every every so often you see a crossover between uh, Arrow and The Flash, and even then, any time where the show focuses explicitly on the Arrow characters in those crossovers, I just kind of lose interest. Like, that's how much I really just dislike that show and the tone that they're going for, and it just always came off as disingenuous that you get this moody, very, very moody like um, brooding Arrow that's clearly meant to be Batman and just not and it's just like like a Walmart brand Batman that I just really really dislike um that's not to say that I'm like cheering for the end of Arrow. No, but like not far from it. I just I despise that show. So it's hard for me to really have an opinion on it. The only thing that I'm that I'm really um, the only opinion that I really can have is just it's, it's just I just feel bad for the people who's been working on that show because I know that they probably go very close with the people who with the people who they've been working with for the past eight seasons or I mean the upcoming eight, eight seasons, eight years or so um, and they're just going to be losing a, a job essentially like this is a job they 've been working they 've been working on for so long i 'm sure they love working on this show and, and they 're sure they 're proud of the content they 've created um, whether or not I liked it. Uh, but that's my only real. Uh, that's the only thing I really have an opinion on. Is just I feel bad for the people who are working on the show because they will be losing something that's probably a really important part of their lives, as Stephen Mell was discussing. Uh, which I don't have anything against Stephen mell He did the best he could with the material. Uh, um, but again, it's just a really, really big part of his life that it's going to end. Is going to come to an end, and I, that's who I feel bad for is people who's working on the show primarily.
0: Um, I think it was your turn, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead and go next because I'm kind of like in. I guess I'm kind of in between. Um, So, yeah, I you know, our heart goes out to everybody that's worked on the show. And, uh, I mean, it goes without saying that, I mean, this show just spawned so many other television shows. It's, you know, created the Arrowverse. And to see it come to a close, it's kind of bittersweet. Although, to be honest, I I had stopped watching Arrow uh, a few years ago. Um, But I did enjoy, I, I, I think I I kind of stuck around for the first season. I was kind of wanting to see where it was going. I think usually with first seasons, you know, I just kind of give them an opportunity, give them a couple of episodes, and I found myself watching it. I, I was like, okay, we'll we'll see where this is going. Um, the second season, I thought, was uh, really strong. I think for the most part, a lot of fans uh, would agree. The second season, um, especially with the arrival of uh, Deathstroke, um, I think really kind of... You know, just having Deathstroke and really fleshed out uh, as a character and I guess as the uh, big bad, as it were, for the entire season, um, just really pushed the series forward in a good way. Um, And I felt like, okay, like this is this is actually a really good TV show. Like I I was surprised by, you know, how good it was considering that it was, you know, kind of like on the CW. And, you know, there's only so much that you can do on on that budget and and on that network um, on, you know, kind of, you know, primetime television. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think after the, uh, you know, third and the beginnings of the fourth season, I kind of, uh, lost interest. I kind of felt that it was floundering a little bit. Um, I always thought the, uh, the performances were particularly strong, but it's just some of the the decisions with regards to, you know, the, with the writing and the directing, um, and even when I would watch the, uh, crossover episodes, because um, even though I wouldn't watch the show, I would watch the crossover episodes. And it, it just, there's just something missing. It just didn't, it wasn't polished. It wasn't quite fine-tuned. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's you know, I, I don't want to be dismissive of, of television in general, but, um, you know, it, it, obviously they're limited in terms of what they can do uh, with those TV shows. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I, I was generally... You you know, my heart goes out to Steve because you can tell, you know, especially from the video that, you know, this is a big there was a big part of his life and a lot of he owes a lot, uh, a big portion of his career uh, to this television show. Um, I as someone who has seen him like in, you know, in in some of the other projects that he's done outside. Of uh, of the television show, whether it's in the movies or you know, for those of you guys that watch wrestling, you know, I've I've, I've seen Stephen Amell wrestle, um, so it's kind of been interesting, you know, to see him. You know, for example, like he would wrestle and then the fans are chanting Arrow, uh, you know, during his matches. So I always thought that was that was fun. Um, yeah, it is. It's just a. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. I don't think he's done with the character. I think the show is over, but I don't think the character is over. I can't imagine seeing him as he continue to build new television shows in the CW you know I can see him kind of coming in for a couple episodes here and there uh, I just I generally don't think it's the end of him as the Green Arrow probably the, the TV show but not him um, so Seth uh, why don't you uh, take us home and w- what are your thoughts on the uh, the closing of, uh, of Arrow Please reestablish our relationship with DC. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no pressure. Nothing at all. Yo, like I
0: people. said, above all, I appreciate honesty. So <laughs> honest, and
1: Honestly. Back, and
0: if we can back up what we were saying, then I'm all for that.
1: But I know, well, it's, you know, your thoughts. I, I can say plenty that echoes. Certainly the first season or two did not win me over with The uh, First season, especially not it. In fact, I felt that in many ways that wasn't why I was sticking around. I felt that I was sticking around because every once in a while I felt there were these great glimmers, these great glimpses of possibility. And I wanted to see whether or not they were proven true. And I also became aware sometime around the first to second season of the challenges that Arrow began to face, the more success it continued to have. Because it it did something that I appreciated, which was it tried to bring in characters from the DC history into its storytelling. And sometimes it succeeded in a way that actually harmed it. First example that comes to mind is Suicide Squad. That was the first place that concept had been visualized. And suddenly the success of it leads to, you know, the possibilities of a movie and it's no longer a viable option. And something else that stuck with me, which was that I started to recognize that there was this almost force of will during those moments that seemed to emanate from Stephen Amell. This this ability for him to sort of put that show on his shoulders and just will it through episode after episode. And because he was able to do that, I also saw that he could put that will behind other projects. So when Flash was first starting out, I remember it was like right after their second or third episode there was like a big announcement about the ratings and right around the time that announcement was being made, Ezra Miller was cast for flash. And as soon as that announcement was made, he was all over the Twitter feed and any public space you get on saying, I can't believe DC would do this when the flash TV show has an opportunity to really establish itself and to stomp all over the ratings to, you know, look at Grant Gunston's hard work and not give it the respect. it. And the way he fought for that show in that moment sort of made me stick around longer than I anticipated. And I enjoyed watching it season after season for the things that it did well. And I also acknowledged it for all the things that I felt it continued to do wrong. And yet still through that force of will, it persevered. And I kept around, I kept watching simply because... Things that I wanted to see would sometimes show up in ways that I really enjoyed, or when they were realized, I would say, Okay, that was horrible. I, I wish I'd almost never seen that. Much like if you watch Supergirl at all when they did the Red Tornado episode, and I didn't cry, but I wanted to cry because it was just such a bad version of Red Tornado. Oh. <laughs> and it was the moments of hope that just stuck with me. And it was the ability uh, for the show to continue to press on to to push on and to go beyond what i had known from its comic roots and create these other characters who some were familiar like i loved seeing mr terrific although his incarnation isn't my favorite uh and then wild dog who i had no previous frame of reference with but who gradually grew on me through the performance and through the little bits that somehow cw knows how to like bury in my heart so that I, I don't ever walk away you know, completely from these things. I'm always drawn back in or finding myself sticking around. And it was for those reasons that I found myself continually returning to this show. And the, the way it seemed to, no matter all the faults that I can find with it, it was still this rock-solid foundation for these other shows to spawn from. And I think at one point during the Facebook video, you mentioned Stephen Amell gives himself a lot of credit by claiming they spun off some 17 odd uh, projects through Arrow.
0: Yeah, he was like joking
1: around about that. Yeah, I'm not going to fact check him on it, but there was a way that his blessing on projects like Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow almost cemented their ability to move forward as independent series. And even though it was kind of a (sighs) token blessing and one that came from the guy who it seemed could say, yeah, I give you my blessing because clearly I've screwed up the most. The fact that the show at many times would have its best pieces taken away from it, from whatever off-screen occurrences uh, might be an interference. It still found a way to move forward, even without these great pieces that could have given it so much more. And that's pretty much what, what what stuck with me. I knew how much could have been, and I knew how much was working against them when it came to those different difficulties and conflicts. And yet here was a show that continued to strive and succeed in small parts and also to continue to expand and grow, leading to these greater opportunities for spinoff characters to potentially come out of it. And that's what it will always be to me. Not the best, certainly not perfect, but the original, the most battle-scarred, and the most worthy to, after this long haul, take a rest and know that while it wasn't all great work, it was all hard work, and that much I'm always happy to reward. So hopefully that's the uh reestablishment you guys were looking for. <laughs>
0: No, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you for that. You know, that's that's one of the things I love about you know doing this podcast and like you know just working with the sites and you know just getting to know everybody. It's just the different opinions, um, and just really you know it's informative and it's really informative in terms of you know because I know what I think, I know, um, but I love having you know my opinions and thoughts challenged, and I love hearing takes on why. You know, I'll still listen to people say why, you know, whatever movie is good or why it sucked. Um, I'm always happy to hear that. So I'm really glad that we can have this conversation where we can, you know, discuss the uh, Arrow uh, the way that we just did. And, um, you know, I, I do kind of want to move on a little bit. I know we're going a little bit long, but, um, you know, that's uh, that's fine by my case, in, my, in my opinion. Um, just real quick, I know, you know, we've talked a lot about movies. We've talked a lot about a television show. But, you know, we do talk about comics uh, here at DC Comics News. And I just (laughs) want to touch a little bit on one quick story, which is, eh, unfortunately, there is another delay with the release of the next Doomsday Clock issue. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I just want to go through it real quick. Um, Seth, I think you mentioned that you're you're are you currently up to date on Doomsday Clock?
1: I am. I am. Um, I've been in. Enjoying what i've read it been reading and um you know it's a challenge when it comes to a project like this to to you know meet your deadlines and i'm curious what it might be that's that's getting in the way um that's been creating this sort of series of hiccups it's maybe the best way i can describe it uh when it comes to this project but the the thing that really sort of sticks with everybody is these some of these cliffhangers. You just find yourself like going, Oh, come on, man. Two more weeks. Like <laughs> you know, and suddenly I'm there on the sand lot, like, You're killing me, Smalls. You just <laughs> You're <laughs> right. killing me. Seriously, you're just killing me. Um so I'll I'll be patient. I'll wait. Uh, And I'll be honest, um, sometimes I'll skip an issue or two and then give myself a little time before I read one or two, just because I know there's going to potentially be a gap. And I hate the idea of, you know, thinking that something's coming next week and waiting a couple of weeks. So it's something I've come to anticipate, but I don't think that's something anyone wants to hear about their comic book line, that you anticipate delays, that you expect hiccups so that's my only uh you know lingering concern that i feel is going to dog this uh this uh, series
0: yeah just just real quick i just wanted to talk about um i you know for some of you some of you guys may know may not know but uh rebirth was kind of my jumping on point into the uh, dc universe and uh, that comic really kind of you know rebirth number one you know in, in many ways changed my life and and so to kind of want to see how that story continues. Um it's been a little bit disappointing. I, I love the books. I'm enjoying the books. The artwork's great. The story's great. And again, I'm I'm every issue I'm reading, I'm just kind of like, wow, like, you know, just kind of like just kind of like jaw dropped. But you know, it's been three years since Rebirth One came out. And a lot of things have happened in the D C universe uh since You know, since uh, Rebirth 1 and and since Doomsday Clock will wrap up, I mean, I feel like, you know, Metal has had much greater impact on the DC Universe than Doomsday Clock has. Um, So I'm kind of, you know, if I ever get the opportunity to ask, you know, either Jeff Johns or the publishers or whatever, I'd love to ask them kind of what lessons they've taken away from this series and publishing this series. Cause I know Jeff Johns, he's got a lot on his plate and he's gone through a lot of, you know, he's, he's changed, uh, you know, positions there at the, uh, in the DC, uh, team. And, and so I'm just kind of curious to know what, that's the question I would love to ask is kind of what they, what lessons have they taken from the publishing and the deadlines regarding Doomsday Clock? And if they would have kind of done things sooner, um, but with that, gentlemen, I do want to wrap up the podcast with um, just taking a moment to note that, you know, DC, uh, Detective Comics 1000 uh, will be coming out. And it's a huge milestone. It's a huge milestone in the industry, not just for DC, but for, I believe, for comics as, as a whole. And, you know, there's been some news stories Coming up uh, that I've talked about, you know, some of the celebrations that are going to go around the 1,000 issue as well as the 80th anniversary of of Batman. Um, And, you know, there's going to be celebrations at uh, South by Southwest. Um, There's going to be at Six Flags locations. There's going to be some things going on all over the world. And particularly for me, I'm really excited. Uh, I live here in Southern California, and so I'll be going to WonderCon at the end of this month and i'll have the opportunity to be at WonderCon on the 30th of march the actual anniversary of batman you know celebrating with you know the entire you know comic book universe and the dc team there so i'm really excited to see what they have planned for 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 that day um but gentlemen i just kind of wanted to you know just get your thoughts on batman as a character and you know obviously there's so much that we can kind of touch on with regards to this character has been around for so long, but I kind of wanted you to just take a moment to kind of personalize it. And I'm very curious to know what Batman property or thing has been in path your favorite in your life, whether it's a movie, whether it's television show, whether it's a particular comic or, you know, just anything in general that's been related to Batman. I kind of just wanted to get your, your thoughts, you know, as we, Start our celebration of this character here at DC Comics News and I wanted to start off with um, with Adam Adam you know you come to us from uh, Dark Knight News our sister site Um, and you guys obviously really focus on you know the Dark Knight and you know his world and and so yeah I just wanted to start with you and see kind of what's been your favorite Batman thing.
2: Uh, yeah then when you asked me this question earlier today I was just like what could I possibly choose there's just so much
0: indeed, well, indeed.
2: really really good content um, over the years and it's hard to pinpoint something that I can say is my favorite thing uh, I mean there's so many different things that I love I think the best Batman movie ever well live action or animated is the Dark Knight Returns uh, and then I think um, The Killing Joke is one of the best books ever in literature altogether so so it's hard to just pick one thing but i i think i want to like just go back to my personal roots because i very much love the dc animated universe it's probably one of my favorite dc uh dc mediums in it all um and i want to say i can pick, i can probably pick the episode of justice league called epilogue and i adore that episode oh for- yes Representing what I think um, Batman is, someone who's incredibly compassionate and, and caring, um, although like he 's always portrayed as a, you know more of a, more of a kind of a, a gruff guy who to, who just is all, only out for justice, that episode just showed that there's so much more to him than, than that obviously it's just he does care about people, he just has a different way of of uh, approaching that. And you know, although he, there is, he always tries to justify, he always tries to um, say that the ends always justifies the means in so many different ways, and you know, the, the utilitarian solution is always the best one. But then you look at that episode, and you can't deny that that's who Batman is. When he sat down and he comforted Ace, it always always brings me to tears, and it always just right now I'm kind of welling up because that's mm. one of his one of the best Batman moments in anything, and I always point to that as like if you really want to know who batman is he's not all about his gadgets he's not all about being able to kick butt whenever he needs to he's about the compassion the humanity and that's what that show that's what that episode shows
0: mm-hmm. no thank you for sharing uh yeah uh, seth what, what's your favorite batman thing
1: oh favorite favorites hard man favorites mm-hmm. favorites really hard um i can say this because i think it's it's really the best way for me to approach it, and Adam, I, I think you really uh, I think you really set the tone, is drawing from what Batman meant to me personally, from my first understandings to, you know, pivotal and monumental moments with Batman. The first thing that comes to mind is Batman's the first movie I ever owned. Hmm. Uh, I got it on VHS as a Christmas present, and I watched it so many times. Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, it was... It, it was everything I wanted it to be. And then later I read uh, Death in the Family and it broke my heart. I can remember being a kid with my childhood friend and we would map out who each of us would be for different characters and voices. And we would read the graphic novel over and over again, playing, acting it out and like feeling this beautiful story. Uh, the Killing Joke showed me that you evil is right outside your door. And the way Joker just came to Barbara Gordon's home and changed everything about what I thought was how good and bad operated is something I'll I'll still I'll still remember, you know, when I'm breathing my last breath because it it shook me, it shaped me. Um, and as far as as who Batman is, so many different ways. Uh, I love that Adam brought up. Uh, the epilogue episode, really beautiful example. Mm-hmm. And I'm even reminded of uh, a storyline. Actually, two things that, that immediately popped to mind as I was listening. One was a, uh, a future story that kind of dealt with the Kingdom Come universe and some elements that had come out of that. And it was about Plastic Man's kid getting rough and wild and him needing Batman to come in and, and give the kid a check and just sort of scare him. And the way Batman, like, honestly, to his friend said, I know what you need from me, but you have to understand what I do. There's a consequence to it. Like, I know why I'm doing what I do, and I know the results I'm looking to achieve. But I also know that it damages people. Like, I'm fully aware every time that the impact I have on someone never goes away. And then I'm also reminded of Identity Crisis, when Brad Meltzer really put that relationship that Batman has always had with his Robin characters. And with the storyline of Tim Drake rushing to get home to save his father and Batman trying to be there as well. And that moment when he's slamming down the accelerator and he's saying, not again, you know, not another time. And Batman, for me, has always been the example of someone who is never going to get it right and is always going to be trying to correct the mistakes from his past every time he suits up. And he knows he's failing and he knows he always will. And yet. He knows he has to, and that's who Batman will always be to me.
0: Yeah, thank thank you for sharing that, uh, Seth. Um, I, I guess I can piggyback. I had an answer in my head, but you guys kind of touched on it already. Um, I, I think for me, the uh, let me just start off with the uh, um, actually, at, at my desk as I'm recording this, I have a, a picture of it's a picture of me as a ch- as a child with my father um who this past week on the 7th had passed you know he passed away 6 years ago and on this picture it's actually it was taken the day I went to go see um Michael Keaton's batman in the theater and you know there's i have you know batman cake a batman shirt and a batman hat and you know my father he's actually wearing black uh, in this in this picture as well and my father never wore black he would always kind of you know, he just was never a, bit a fan of the color, but you know, for some reason, you know, I'm this little kid, and we're gonna go watch Batman. So he felt it appropriate. So, the uh, the Michael Keaton Batman is definitely kind of my introduction to the character, and it's kind of a very important memory for me. Um, and then to kind of p- to move along with that, I the Batman animated series uh, really fleshed out uh, the character for me in a lot of great, interesting ways, and really introduced me to a lot of the. Uh, the villains, and I mean, when I think of that first season, the introduction of Catwoman, of Two-Face, of uh, and of course we can forget, obviously, Mr. Freeze, you know, that famous episode, um, and just the way that kind of show progressed and just added to the Batman lore. To this day, every time I read a Batman story, it's with the voice of those characters in my head. Um, Kevin Conroy to me is Batman and uh he 's my favorite Batman, and when i read like, when I read the books, I hear his voice um, and so, Amen. yeah, and so the animated series is <laughs> it's it's just a huge part it 's my favorite uh you know cartoon of all time, and definitely one of my favorite batman things and um I do want to give a shout out though once I got older, I had the opportunity to read frank miller's The Dark Knight Returns, and that graphic novel just really took batman out of you know away from the tim burton away from the animated series which you know it can only go so far in terms of the subject matter um but to see to read that graphic novel and really see for the first time like gotham the city itself as a character to really see like just the abhorrent violence um that exists in that world and what Batman has to deal with, you know, the, uh, just the savagery of the mutant leader of these stories of, you know, the, the little news stories of, you know, nuns getting blown up, you know, stabbings and murder. And, you know, it just really just took Batman in a really dark direction right at the time where, you know, I was older and can really appreciate, uh, what frank miller had done i think yeah i was i mean i was a child when when the dark knight returns first came out and you know to read this as a uh as a young adult you know out of uh, just out of high school and to see just kind of what was possible in the medium and what batman comics really were about and the 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 tone and the themes and just you know politics and just having all these characters you know joker and superman and you know just older versions of everything it it just really really formed my my opinion of what batman is and what the character uh means to me um so between those three the original batman movie with you know with uh, michael keaton the animated series and you know the graphic novel just kind of really showed kind of like my progression if you will um, was Batman but um you know I'll leave it at that and you know again gentlemen I want to thank you for for sharing your stories and you know and I hope people that listen can you know think about what Batman means to them as we know we enter you know this very special time in our industry of uh, celebrating this iconic character and just everything and just what it means it's just amazing to see what just Batman means so much to so many people and it means so many different things to so many different people it's just you know it's just truly an awesome time to be a fan and um with that i i do kind of just want to wrap up um i do want to give a uh y- you know just a reminder to our listeners that uh, DC Comics News is available on all major podcast platforms apple podcasts spotify stitcher and google play um, so please head on over and subscribe, and you know rate and review, and you know let us know what you think about this podcast. And uh, you know it would really mean a lot to us to hear from you guys. And uh, also please follow us on social media, uh, follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and on YouTube. And that's at, at DC Comics News. Um, I do want to give you guys an opportunity, uh, gentlemen. Is there anything that you, you want to uh, promote or shout out, Adam? Um, anything you want to share?
2: Uh, just read darknightnews.com um, alongside dccomicsnews.com where I write there weekly and of course you can also read the musings of Mr. Steve J Ray who's also a, another contributor to this podcast. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um I am also a podcaster myself. Uh I have my own podcast that's uh it's not in direct competition with this podcast, so no worries there. Uh, it is uh, more of a conversational comedic podcast called Dropping Loads. Interpret, cha- interpret that however you want to.
0: Yeah, we <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> You can find that at DroppingLoads.com. I promise you it's not – it is it – is- somewhat safer work I would tread, tread lightly with that um, so yeah if you would like to it's also available on all major uh, podcasting platforms Apple, Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music uh, or I'm sorry Google Play Podcasts as well as Spotify and uh, follow our Twitter and Facebook accounts Twitter at Dropping Loads PC and Dropping Loads Productions on Facebook and our YouTube youtube.com slash Dropping Loads P
1: that's it that. thank you yeah, you can one find me on Instagram, Seth the Writer. I like the pretentious sound of it. I hope you do too. You can also find me on Twitter at One More Singleton. If you like storytelling, my website says Singleton Storyteller and a podcast that matches. Uh, look for it wherever you enjoy streaming. But more importantly, look for my reviews on DC Comics News. Thank you for that, and uh,
0: for me, I am Joseph Marcus on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can find me well I guess uh, I'm doing more of the editing stuff on the d c comics news web web page um, so there's we've got a lot of things plan, planning planning uh, in the uh, weeks and months to come, so uh keep an eye out for that um, gentlemen uh thank you so
1: much for joining me uh, this week.,
2: well, thank you for having me
1: on. Joe, it's been a pleasure, and Adam, it's been a pleasure meeting you and sharing the microphone with you today.
2: Yes, sir. It has been a pleasure sharing the microphone with you guys
0: as well. All right. Now go ahead and uh, thank you. Thanks again to our listeners. And with that, read more comics.
1: (laughs) Read more comics.
0: Do it.
2: too much of a chicken.